Picture in Picture, written and performed by Simon Heldrick. The song says, The road is long, with many a winding turn. And that can certainly be said for my life, in both a literal and a figurative way. The last few years had not been kind to me, and I'd gone from a steady job as a travelling salesman to a high-earning estate agent, and then back to nothing after a series of unbelievable incidents. When I thought of the unnatural things I'd seen, and I'm not talking about my elderly neighbour's all-nude barbecue weekends, I realised that there was something else shaping my life. Something that lurked in the shadows, waiting and watching, ready to pounce if it looked like I was finally reaching some sort of happiness. Then, and only then, would it strike, and some supernatural terror would be unleashed, Something that would stop my life in its tracks, like a log in front of a train, or a Ricky Gervais bit part in an otherwise enjoyable movie. So, dear listener, I ran. I ran away from everything, leaving only the flames flickering in my rearview mirror, and I ran until I could run no more. This story is what happened when I finally stopped running. Literally, when I stopped. Actually, I was driving. But apart from that, this is literally what happened. Sorry, I lost my thread a bit there. I had been driving for hours. I knew in my heart of hearts that I could only drive so far, and that had become apparent now as the sun set and the night came down. I was far, far from home and all alone. I didn't really know where I was or where I was going. All I could say for certain was that I was in a forest somewhere. Mighty pine trees towered on either side of me, shrouding the road in the fading light. It was beautiful, although when the bright orange sun shone through the branches it bathed everything in red and I shuddered to remember my most recent supernatural encounter. By the time it was fully dark, I was ready to stop for the night. I was hungry and thirsty, and I was in dire need of somewhere to sleep, or at least somewhere to safely stop and curl up on my back seat. I'd prefer a room with a real bed. It had been several nights since I'd had the courage to enter an unknown place, but my need now was too great. By the side of the road, I suddenly saw a well-worn sign for a diner up ahead. It wasn't illuminated. It had been, but all the lights looked burnt out, so I didn't see it until I was almost upon it. Luckily, the turn-off was a short way past, and I had plenty of time to make the exit. The diner was small and unassuming, but it looked inviting. I could see the lights coming from inside, shining through the trees as I approached, and I thought I could hear voices and music, although that may have been my wishful thinking. I pulled into the car park, which was full of cars. Interestingly, they all looked like they were from the 1950s or 60s. There was probably some sort of convention going on, and I briefly worried if that would mean there wouldn't be a table for me. As I pulled into a parking space next to a yellow convertible, I noticed that there was a line of apartments just behind and connected to the diner. Hopefully, I could hire a room for the night as well, if the car nerds hadn't taken them all, that is. 
I sat behind the wheel of the car for a moment with the engine running. I needed to steel myself to go in and act normally. Now that I knew there was a hidden world, just out of sight, it was harder to trust what I could see. But what I could see right at that moment was a diner, bright and inviting and full of people. And food. I turned off the engine, left my car and walked to the entrance. The gravel crunched beneath my feet and the noise coming from within grew louder. I hesitated for a second, but a sudden burst of laughter came from within and a longing for real human contact washed over me. I took a deep breath and grabbed the handle of the door. I pushed, and for a moment it didn't move as though something was holding it closed from inside. Then the resistance suddenly disappeared and I opened the door. An old-fashioned bell above rang as it caught the top and I stepped inside. The diner was crowded with people all talking and laughing. They were all dressed in 1950s period costume. These must be the car nerds, I guessed. Behind the counter, a lovely young waitress was serving customers and she looked up at me as I entered and smiled the most beautiful smile. I was immediately enchanted and decided to take a seat at the counter instead of in a booth. As I pulled myself onto the tall stool, she walked over and placed a coffee mug in front of me. You look like you need to sleep, mister, she said with a twinkle in her eye. But the best I got is coffee. Can I fill your cup? I nodded my assent and she poured the steaming black liquid until the cup was nearly full. There you are. That one's on the house. She smiled again and turned away. I'll be back to take your order in a minute, honey. And with that, she headed away from me. I picked up a menu and looked it over, sipping the coffee as I did. The drink was hot, but not too hot. So I took a few large sips and tried to keep one eye on the alluring waitress. But the pull of the food was too strong, so I gave that up as a lost cause. She was too young for me anyway, and I cast my eye on the food on offer. Although it was late, I decided to try the pancakes with bacon and maple syrup. The coffee was strong enough that I would be awake for a few hours anyway, so what the hell, I'd have breakfast for supper. I was about to attract the attention of the waitress when someone bumped into me. I turned and saw a youngish man, no more than twenty, dressed like something out of Greece. The musical, I mean, not the country. He flashed a wide smile and apologised. I realised that he'd bumped into me because he was dancing with a young lady dressed in a similar rockabilly style to a song that was playing on the authentic-looking jukebox in the corner. Hey, Bean. Sorry about that. It's Antsville and your ha, he said with a smile. The girl he was dancing with looked over at me. Who's the flutterbum? She said. He is flawed? Cut the gas. He ain't nothing but a Bundy, he replied. Come on, don't make this no fake out, baby. They danced away from me, the girl catching my eye whenever she was facing. This night was starting to look up, although I had no idea what a flutterbum or a Bundy was. I hoped they were good. I smiled and turned my back to them again. There was something about this place that felt right. The waitress was still busy at the other end of the counter, so I took another sip of coffee and looked around the room. Most of the people were dressed similarly to the young couple, and several were dancing in the middle of the floor. They were having fun. There were a few older people sitting in the booths around the edge, a variety of drinks and food on the tables before them. The decor was impressive. It was by far the most accurate looking 50s diner I'd been in. 
I assume it was accurate, at least having never been to the actual 1950s. An older gentleman looked over at me. He had a large moustache which drooped into the bowl he was eating from, which contained what looked like soup. His gaze wasn't quite as friendly as the young couple, so I quickly looked away. A group of middle-aged ladies sat together at a table drinking milkshakes through straws and gossiping. A man in denim and a trucker's cap stood at the counter nursing a cup of coffee. As I cast my eye over the room, I noticed that there was a large mural painted on the wall behind the counter, and that wasn't the only one. I realised that there were several large murals around the place featuring scenes from American history. There was one featuring a cowboy riding through a desert canyon, and another that showed a group of pilgrims standing on a shoreline. The one directly behind the counter was of a forest, and in the middle of the forest was a clearing. There was an old-fashioned house in the clearing with a covered porch, and on the porch was a woman sitting in a rocking chair. As I looked at the woman in the painting, a sudden chill went down my spine. There was something familiar about her, but I couldn't place where I'd seen her before. I decided to attract the attention of the waitress and order food. As I turned in her direction, the song on the jukebox suddenly skipped and began playing from the same point it was at when I first entered. I looked over my shoulder to see what had caused it, but as I did so, a voice suddenly came from close by. You look like you need to sleep, mister, said the waitress with a twinkle in her eye. But the best I got is coffee. Can I fill your cup? Before I could say anything, she poured the coffee. I, I expected my cup to overflow, but realised that it was suddenly empty. There you are. That one's on the house. She smiled again and turned away. I'll be back to take your order in a minute, honey. I watched her walk away in stunned silence. Did she realise that she'd repeated herself? Maybe she was so busy that she'd forgotten that she'd already spoken to me. I must have forgotten I'd finished my coffee after all. Before I could decide, I was bumped from behind and I turned to look. Hey Bean, sorry about that. It's Aunt near ha said the young man with the same smile as before. The girl he was dancing with looked over at me in the same slightly interested way. Who's the flutterbum? She said again. He is splodge? Cut the gas. He ain't nothing but a Bundy. The young man repeated. Come on, don't make this no fake out, baby. They danced away again, but I was too shocked to say anything. I stood up from my stall, knocking my coffee mug off the counter as I did so. The porcelain smashed and the hot, dark liquid spread across the floor in a widening puddle. I looked around. Several of the other customers were staring at me. There seemed to be something odd about them. The more I looked, the stranger it became. Their faces seemed to be pale, and there was something unnerving about the way their gazes were fixed intently on me. I turned back towards the counter and caught another glimpse of the woman in the painting in the rocking chair. To my horror, the picture had changed. She had turned and was now looking directly at me. The record skipped again and made me jump. From beside me, there came a familiar voice. You look like you need to sleep, mister, the waitress said for a third time. But the best I got is coffee. Can I fill your cup? Stunned, I stepped back, expecting to put my foot into a coffee puddle. There was nothing. I looked down and saw that the floor was dry. When I looked up again, the waitress was filling my now intact coffee cup. I stepped back to the counter and grabbed her wrist before she could move away. Who's the woman in that painting? I said, jabbing towards it with my free hand. She looks familiar. That's the owner of the diner, 
she said, looking down at my hand on her wrist. I'll be back to take your order in a minute, honey. She pulled her arm from my grasp and walked away again. Was it my imagination? Or had her skin become paler, almost grey? Then came another bump. Hey, Bean. Sorry about that. It's Antsville and your ha. Said the young man again. But this time it seemed slower. The girl he was dancing with looked over at me. But her eyes had become darker. Black eyes. Like a doll's eyes. Who's the flutterbum? She said. And it sounded almost hollow. He is flawed. Cut the gas. He ain't nothing but a Bundy. The young man repeated yet again. Come on, don't make this no fake out, baby. It was not my imagination. They were definitely greyer, like the colour was being washed out of them. I stood up and looked around me. The murals on the walls grabbed my attention once more. The cowboy in the canyon. He had a droopy moustache. The pilgrims on the shoreline. All middle-aged women. I looked closer. The faces of the people in the murals were the faces of the customers in the diner. The young couple dancing were on the wall, painted in the seat of an open-top yellow car. This was impossible. I turned to look at the woman in the rocking chair and almost collapsed in fright. She had stood up and her cold, dark eyes were staring at me and she was smiling. And I realised why she looked familiar. It was the waitress. I turned to flee from the diner, but as I did so, I noticed another mural on the wall by the door. It was a painting of this very diner, with the apartments and the car park clearly visible. And there, there next to a yellow convertible, was my car. But what I saw next almost caused me to lose my mind with fright. In the painting, halfway between my car and the door to the diner, was a small figure. I moved slowly, almost hypnotically towards the painting, knowing exactly what I would see. Knowing, before I was close enough, that the small figure in the painting would be me. I jumped as the record once again skipped and began to play. I turned to see the faces of the customers staring blankly at me. Everyone had turned to face me. Behind the counter, the waitress smiled, but not the welcoming smile of earlier, a much more sinister smile. She held the pot of coffee up and gazed at me with those empty eyes. You look like you need to sleep, mister, the waitress said for a fourth time. But the best I got is coffee. Can I fill your cup? I turned and ran for the door. It wasn't my imagination. Everything was grey. Everything was turning black and white, like an old photograph. I grabbed the door handle and pulled at the door, but it seemed to be stuck. I looked back at the painting of me and saw that the figure had now reached the door and was holding on to the handle. I couldn't open the door because I was holding it closed in the painting. I span around and looked at the woman in the rocking chair. She had moved again, closer to the front of the house. She was walking towards me. Her smile had become something more of a grin. Her teeth looked strangely sharp, and her lips had pulled back from her gums in a rictus grin. Something bumped into me from behind, and I turned to see the young couple staring blankly at me. Before the greaser could say anything, I pushed him hard, knocking him to the floor. Who's the flutterbum? 
said the woman slowly and with a distinct echo. He is flawed. I turned and ran towards the back of the diner, determined to find a way out of this nightmare. As one, the customers stood and started to move towards me slowly. All but the droopy moustache guy. He jumped up and ran towards me with a strangely hopeful look on his face, and I realised that he didn't look quite so washed out as the others, and his eyes seemed more normal. Nevertheless, I backed hurriedly away until I hit upon a booth and stopped. He reached me and grabbed onto my arm. Son, he said, grab your things. They've come to take you home. But I want to go home, I cried, pulling away from him. Not your home, son. Theirs. He gestured around him. Look at the paintings on the wall. When I first came here, that one wasn't there. He was pointing at the cowboy in the canyon that was wearing his face. I only stopped to ask directions, and I was never able to leave. What? When? When did you stop here? I said, pure terror filling my voice. 1853, son. This wasn't a diner then. It was a saloon. I rode in on my horse and I'd never left. It's too late for me, and all of them. He gestured at the other customers, who had stopped and were standing staring at me. All of us. But you haven't entered the diner yet. You can still get away. What do you mean? I haven't entered the diner yet. I'm here, aren't I? I almost screamed the words. Not in the painting, son. Not in the painting. You've got one last chance to get out. He pointed again, this time towards the painting of the forest. But she's going to try and stop you. I looked and saw that the waitress and the woman in the painting had become one. She smiled a malevolent smile and started to walk towards me, not saying a word. The waitress's face was shadowed, but her smile glowed evilly as she moved. I could see her eyes no longer black and blank, but glowing an eerie red. I turned and ran again, but she was faster and grabbed me, pulling me back away from the door with an unnatural hiss. She threw me to the ground and stood over me. I could see her face, hideous and twisted with sharp teeth and glowing red eyes. She raised her hand and pointed at me. A beam of black light shot out of her fingers and I was only just able to roll out of the way before it hit me. Where it struck the tiled floor, it left a charred, smoking ring. It's the eyes, son, shouted the cowboy. Think, why have the eyes turned red all of a sudden? My mind raced, the sheer terror prevented me from thinking clearly, but then something occurred to me. If she was a picture, then maybe... I pulled out my phone and quickly opened the camera app. I pointed it at her and prayed that I hadn't changed the settings. She raised her hand towards me again, and I pressed the button to take a picture. The flash took her by surprise, and she covered her eyes with her arm, stumbling backwards. Now, son! Do it now! My cowboy ally shouted. I didn't have to think twice. I leapt to my feet and ran full pelt towards the door. I grabbed the handle and pulled. A slight moment of resistance, and then the door flung open, nearly knocking me to the ground. I dived through the opening and heard an unearthly scream as I did so. I landed heavily, but mustered the energy to get up and ran to my car. I yanked open the door, jumped into the seat and fumbled for the keys. I looked up through the windscreen and saw with horror the waitress flying, flying at me. 
her horrible arms outstretched and her mouth open in a terrifying scream of rage. There was nothing I could do. Unconsciously mimicking her actions from before when I took her photo, I raised my arm to cover my eyes just as she hit my windscreen. And suddenly the scream stopped. I waited a moment and then cautiously lowered my arm. It was morning and the car park was empty. No, more than that. The diner was abandoned, in a state of disrepair so bad that it would never have been open for business, hadn't been open for business in years. I was almost tempted to get out of the car and go and investigate, but reason flooded back into me and I put the car into reverse and, tyres squealing, raced out of the car park without even glancing into my rearview mirror. I drove for a couple of miles before I came to a small town. I found the police station and tried to tell them what had happened. Unfortunately, an incident with a stuffed goose a few years ago was still on my record, so they refused to believe me and even threatened to arrest me for wasting police time. But I know what I saw, and I realise that those poor souls are probably still trapped there, waiting for a release that may never come. And I have my proof. A single photo of a waitress, red eyes shining in the camera flash. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're in your grave, you dog. When you're dead and in your grave, no more ravioli will you crave. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're in your grave, you dog. Dirty dog. I invite you to my house for a meal. All my meatballs you try to steal. Mm, you're a dirty dog. You're dirty dog. I will be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're in your grave, you dog. Dirty dog. I'll be standing on a corner plastered when they bring your body by. Picture in Picture was written and performed by Simon Heldrick with additional voices from Gary Starr and AI. Original music by Gomino Sensei. The song you can hear playing is I'll Be Glad When You're Dead, You Rascal You by Louis Prima.
This has been a Revelation Station production. Happy Halloween! I will be glad, I will be glad.